Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. Hosted by Nick Morowski and Pat Hester. Hey, Sox fans. Welcome to Good Guys Talk Back, episode 188. Uh, I am Nick Morowski. This is a local fan-centric Chicago White Sox podcast. You can find this podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcasts. Uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Good Guys TV. We've got a Facebook uh, fan page. And also check us out on our YouTube channel. Just search Good Guys uh, Talk Back. Uh, so much to get to since the last time we recorded uh, a world of difference uh, with this White Sox team and none of it good. Uh, let me bring in my co-host, Pat Hester. Hey, buddy. Nick, we couldn't have been more wrong. I think when we left uh, on Sunday, I think we were we were looking at still, you know, maybe not being a game back. I don't think a, a sweep of the Guardians was really a hundred percent in what we either one of us really thought was going to happen. We thought by you know the time we we got done with them, maybe it'd be a three game uh, three games back, and you're playing the Tigers at home, and still feel really good about that, and and a good position here, and. The Sox after Tuesday, and I know it's been talked about a lot. That was a, that was a long time ago. Now it feels like have really just laid down, and and it's really a sad state of affairs, Nick. When you think about this team and the fans that that really care about them as you and I do, and are as passionate about this team as we are, the fact that they have just decided we've had enough, we're, we're done, and it doesn't matter if it's Fan Appreciation Day, it doesn't matter if it's this or that we really are not going to play really hard and uh, or put any kind of focus or try at all. So it's, it's really sad of, of where this team has ended up. And you look at, you know, where the season ended last year with still a lot of optimism and hope and, and, and where to see where it has come to. And I talked about it with you before we started recording book ending in the division, six game losing streaks in September, just as we did in April. Yeah, uh, as we record uh, here, the Sox are 76 and 77, one game under 500 here entering this last week of September. Uh, and you referenced it. I mean, last time we spoke, we were preparing uh, for the biggest series of the season. The Sox had an opportunity, um, you know, to get the tiebreaker if there was a sweep. Yeah, you had a sweep really for. Uh, realistic chances at the division, but that was, that was uh, obtainable. You had Cease going, you had Lynn going, Cueto was going to be on the, on the Hill on Thursday. And you let Cleveland come into your house and uh, Hey, Tuesday was a tough game. You know how they scored two runs off of class a in extras. I thought for sure this was the white Sox game. I just, here we go. Here's that Miguel Cairo magic. This team's not giving up. It's like, that's unthinkable to score mm-hmm. two runs uh, off of this guy. All worldly closer. And Jake Diekman, just wow. Um, I, it's almost unspeakable uh, what yeah. he allowed the Guardians to do. Uh, and, and then it just felt like, hey, this hill is way too difficult to climb. We're, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to go to sleep. And the Guardians walked all over them. I, I was at Wednesday's game. I was at Thursday's game. It was so sad, uh, really sad to watch. And the Guardians were celebrating. I mean, they were John uh, from their dugout. They knew what was going on. 
Uh, they were embarrassing, the White Sacks in their home building. And then to see what the Sacks did against the last place Detroit Tigers, uh, swept by the Tigers. Over 100,000 White Sacks fans, paid attendance, I should say, uh, you know, for this weekend series. The Sacks go uh, 0-3 during the Detroit series. Look lifeless uh, on Fan Appreciation Day. Uh, Jose Abreu sits, which could be one of the last times fans are able to celebrate him. He is not in the game. And for the first time since 1989, the White Sox go winless uh, during a homestand featuring at least six games. I, I, you know, I'm, I'm in shock. Yeah. Uh, where we're at, Pat. Yeah, I was at uh, Sunday's game, Fan Appreciation Day. It was very curious to not have Jose Abreu in the lineup. And, and it, at that point, it really doesn't matter in terms of winning that game. But in terms of, you know, what it me- would have meant maybe to the fans to have him, uh, you know, in the lineup that day, even as a DH, would have would have been something nice to do for the fans. But, you know, what has gotten us all year, Nick, you know, ended up biting us in the butt. Uh, in that game, there was, what was it? The eighth inning, I think maybe one ball left the infield and, and they scored three runs. So, and you also allowed Javi Baez to basically do exactly, he, he should have been part of the Cleveland Indians. I think he felt like he, or he played for the guardians, uh, over this past couple of days because, you know, he had a hell of a series and, and he let the Sox know it and, and he showboated and, and rubbed our faces in it. So, um, and not, not a great time to really feel good about this team and this organization. And all we can do as fans, Nick, and as and as uh, you know, uh, beat you know, intrepid reporters as you and I are, <laughs> is uh, is find a way to you know look ahead, follow the story in terms of what it's going to mean for this off season, and the 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 stories that are going to come out over this you know this off season are, are going to be plentiful. Because they're already starting to, you know, you know, pre-write themselves in terms of what's going to happen with the manager's position, what's going to happen with a Jose Abreu, where does this team go in terms of keeping the, you know, the talent on the roster they have and moving other talent. So we're, we're going to have a ton to discuss and break down, and uh, not really what we wanted to discuss or break down at this point. We wanted to start talking about how you line up a, a pitching staff and. You know how uh, how this offense maybe has finally come together, but it wasn't meant to be. No, you you, you want to be talking about maybe just a few little pieces here and there. You know, fine tuning a, a couple things. Uh, and hey, there's going to be a lot of talent on this 2023 team, but that talent, as we're finding out, it doesn't do you much. It's it's how you play as a team. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean. Uh, you could put, to, and we've seen other teams do this in multiple different leagues, put together on paper an all-star team. Yeah. How can this team lose? And they and they end up not making the playoffs. Okay, the Sox aren't necessarily an all-star team on their own. Okay, let's be honest. Uh, but they're talented. Uh, and they didn't show up this season for a variety of different reasons. Injury, um, you know, lack of chemistry. They just weren't playing together consistently. How the team was constructed at the beginning, you know, mm-hmm. in the offseason uh, and the lack of moves that were made to to combat some of the holes. Uh, play, You know, that's all that goes all in there. And, um, you know, the Cleveland Guardians have wrapped up the AL Central. They, they are your AL Central champs. Sox are 
going to be playing Minnesota this week, then go to uh, San Diego. And honestly, the Sox very well could be in third place when it's all said and done, which is remarkable. But uh, I do want to get to some of the LaRusa stuff with you eventually and the Robert stuff and, uh, you know, the, the Bob Nightingale article that kind of came out. Um, but first, let, let me pick your brain on this on this Cleveland video stuff. You know, they mm. they they win the division. And, uh, you know, if you're not on social media, you could find the videos, just search, you know, Cleveland Guardians, AL Central 2022 champs. And I'm sure a bunch of videos of them celebrating will pop up, rubbing it in the White Sox's face, you know, naming Tony La Russa, uh, you know, referencing all different kinds of things about the White Sox not showing up uh, and just giving it to the Sox. Uh, mm-hmm. Your feelings, Pat, you know, when you saw this video? Uh, well, initially as a fan, you get, you get kind of irritated by it, right? You don't like it. It'd be, it's, it's like if uh, somebody picks on one of your family members, you you just, obviously it's not going to sit well with you, but you know, after a while, you know, what, what can you say? Uh, the Cleveland guardians, I, I tip my cap to them for the way they play the game. Uh, I can't say enough about how I think of, of Terry Francona as a manager, you know, he looked at the roster that he was given, uh, you know, where they stood in terms of spending money on talent. And he basically said, you know, this is, I'm, I'm not in any kind of position to throw away a season. I've got to figure out a way to motivate these guys. And I've got to figure out a way that we can win and have an advantage against another team. And what he found was we are going to play hard all the time. We're going to run the bases correctly. We're going to catch the ball. We're going to pitch the ball. We may not hit, you know, a bunch of home runs, but we are going to be an irritant and a pest to every team that we play and make it hard on them. And they're going to know that they played the Cleveland guardians. I have a lot of respect for that. Whatever they did in the, uh, to, in the locker room and to celebrate, you know, as, as Elaine Bennis once said to the victor belong the spoils, right, Nick? So mm-hmm. you, you will, you, you say, okay, you, you guys did it. I, I hope that our team sees that and, and maybe in, in some weird way finds that to motivate them for next year. But you also have to remember this is a white Sox team for the last two years. That is the change the game culture. The, and I have no problem with any of this, by the way, I'll, I'll reference that. This is the bat flipping culture. This is the, uh, you know, Liam Hendricks going ballistic after every save type culture and, and all that goes into it. And then you add in a guy like a Joe Kelly that is, you know, you know, puts people in a bad state of mind too. So you've got all that going for you. I'm not surprised that, that Cleveland reacted the way they did. Liam Hendricks even said at one point, we're going to have a lot of people that don't like us because we're going to be brash and this is how we're going to play. Well, this year you weren't, you weren't able to back it up and now you've got to take it and you've got to have a little humble pie. Yeah, I think some of the comments that have surfaced over the year uh, so far, who knows what's going to surface in the offseason of White Sox players thinking this division was going to be handed to them. You know, they, they won it by double digits uh, last year, and we're just a few days removed from the one-year anniversary when the Sox themselves were AL Central champs in, of course, 2021, uh, celebrating in Cleveland. Um, hey, you know, celebrate how you want to celebrate. I, I don't, you know, the whole thing of like, well, this, you know, this video should be playing, uh, you know, in Arizona, it should be playing everywhere. Uh, I don't know if that would actually matter to this White Sox team, to these collection of players. I don't know if they would take that 
Uh, and, and really if like, if that would hit home to them or if it would mm. just kind of roll off their back and just, you know, I don't know. We, we, before we started recording, you and I were talking about, you know, teams decades ago and, uh, you know, you watch some of these 30 for 30s and of course the last dance, you know, Jordan took everything and anything as a motivation, you know, but like that's that's Jordan. OK, like you're not going to find other uh, Jordans, but you look at some of like the Celtics Lakers uh, documentary and it's like if the Lakers said anything in the offseason, mm-hmm. you better believe it was all over the bulletin board. People were reminding each other during practice of like what was said. Same, same the other way. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I mean, I know it happened with a lot of rivalries uh, years ago, Yankees, Royals, and you know, of course, Red Sox, Yankees, um, you know, Sox had their battles with the twins for, you know, some time and, and what Gian would say and, and provide. I don't, I don't know, Pat. I don't know if that video does anything to these players. May, maybe it does to like a guy like Jose Abreu if he sticks around long enough uh, and says, "Look, but but we don't have a collection of guys that have played together for a long period of yep. time. You know, like a nucleus. That's like, mm-hmm. how dare you? Like, yep. we are going to defend." Uh, our honor next season. And and there's going to be guys that are going to be removed off this team and new guys brought in that, you know, aren't going to be a part of that and and aren't going to feel it the same way. They may see the video and be like, Oh, I was, you know, on Seattle last year, you know, or something like that. What, what the hell do I care what the guardians said about you last year? Yeah. (laughs) You know? So I I, I don't know. It'd be nice to think, you know, in, in a meatball world that we, that you and I probably live in more often than anything else that, uh, yeah, you'd think that would motivate you and you're going to stew over that all winter and can't wait to get to break camp and, and take it to the guardians next year. But I don't know. I, I think it all depends on the kind of talent you bring in and the moves that you make. And and those are going to be for, you know, we think Rick Hahn to make, I don't know, you know, will will I, this, will this front office and organization look the same uh, at least to, to Rick Hahn seat next year as it does today. I don't think Tony LaRusso will be the manager in 2023. And I don't think that's a hot take. And I'm really going out on the ledge to say that. But uh, again, we only know of what he is happening this season. And he's not coming back to manage the 2022 uh, White Sox. He hasn't been given clearance. Miguel Cairo will stay the interim or acting manager, whatever kind of uh, handle you want to give him. Um, moving forward, I don't see Cairo as the manager. I don't see Tony Larusa as the manager. Who makes that decision? That's that is anybody's guess right now. You know, after what we saw with Tony Larusa's hire a few years ago, and Jerry just put had his fingerprints all over that thing and forced that down our throats. Uh, what's stopping him from doing something like that again and saying, you know what? I love AJ Przinsky. I, I am a fan of AJ Przinsky. He's been loyal. Uh, he has always talked to me up and has stayed loyal. I want you to hire him or at least give him an interview, um, which might be code for hire him. Yeah. I don't know. Will Hahn still be the general manager? Yeah. I, I don't think they're going to move Rick Hahn. I, he should be moved. But I don't see, uh, you know, with the way this this organization is run, I don't see Kenny Williams or Rick Hahn uh, moving. Well, that's, you know, that's probably what will happen. You know, what could happen is what have been, been mentioned about Tony LaRusso not managing, but possibly being kicked upstairs, you know, fail 
into a promotion of some sort, if you want to call it that. And and what if so, in some weird world, and you're talking about this, you know, this structure remaining the same, but now Tony is a part of this this circus act upstairs, and now he has some type of say in who the manager is going to be, who his replacement and successor should be. How would you feel about that? Would that be the worst case scenario uh, of any kind, do you think? It would be a, it would be a horrible situation. I, I think that booting him upstairs, as Bob Nightingale said in his USA Today article, um, it just causes more problems. You know, mm. it, it's the thing that we keep uh, complaining about as Sox fans. It's like done with the nepotism, done with the favors, done with the inside deals. Uh, you know, this is run in a poor way. Get some team of rivals, get some people that are smart, that challenge each other in thought. They're just not all working on favors. And that's yeah. why ultimately nothing's going to change until Jerry Reinsdorf is gone and there's a fresh blood and new ownership. And there has to actually be accountability, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't just skate by with two playoff wins and one division title. Uh, since the rebuild began almost six years ago, Rick Hahn, like that, that doesn't fly here. Uh, And Kenny Williams, what do you really do? And what you did do like time's up, like, what have you done for me lately? You Mm -hmm. know? So Larusa moving upstairs is that could probably happen. I don't put it past Reinsdorf for doing that. So then that leaves me in a very, you know, conspiracy driven mindset of like, well, then I don't believe the next manager that's hired will really be Hans decision. If he's still GM. Yeah. And do you want it to be Hans decision? That's the thing. Does that even really matter? If we, if we say that we're, we're so fed up about Rick Hahn and the decisions he's made in terms of roster construction, should he be given the right to hire the manager that he wants? Now, I think the guy he wanted was AJ Hinch. You know, I, I can't really say that AJ Hinch has been, you know, uh, fantastic for the Tigers. Now they've had some injuries and they've had a, you know, a team that they're trying to build up. And and I think this year was a little bit of a stunt in their growth with some of the misfortune that they had, but it's not like AJ Hinch has been, you know, all worldly uh, in Detroit either. So, you know, what is that? Is that another damning thing for a Rick Hahn? And, and do you all, and my next question to you, Nick, uh, if the Sox had at least played with some heart and fire over this past six games, maybe they still, you know, fall short. Uh, do you think Cairo would have got a be- more of a, a look in terms of this team is still playing hard for this manager? Maybe, you know, if the Sox swept the, the guardians and, you know, took care of business against Detroit and like, we've got a photo finish and the sacks actually get into the playoffs. I think you can make a case, uh, but still everything that Cairo says in, in, in any interview, it's uh, I talk to Tony every day. I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't make a move without like getting permission from Tony. I don't like hearing that. Like you have Do you to think be your that's own. true. Do you think that's really I, true? I hope not. But like, how much do you have to kiss this guy's ass? Like, honestly, like that is that is that what Tony LaRusso has done to people? It's like once you have been uh, given a position by the the genius Tony LaRusso, you are forever in debt to him and you've got to, you know, uh, constantly throw his name out there as if like I wouldn't exist without Tony LaRusso. I'm learning from, you know, the master and Tony LaRusso. Like he gives me so much great. 
Stop it already. You are your mm -hmm. own person. Cut ties already. You know, and I want to see you manage because this is you, yeah. not somebody pulling strings, you know, uh, from a distance or, or giving you uh, input like you, you manage, you know, with your, your heart and your mind, you're a smart dude, Cairo, stop constantly dragging his name in there. Mm -hmm. um, that, that's why I just, you know, going back to your other question about Han, it's like, I don't know if he really deserves to be given an opportunity. I, I, I just, I don't, but I kind of am curious to see what would happen if he had autonomy. Like, and, and maybe there's yeah. been moments years ago where he just wasn't, he didn't have autonomy. Like he mm -hmm. wasn't able to spend the type of money he wanted to spend. He wanted, he wanted to make certain deals and it just, he was aggravated because he knew this was going to be a good move, but wasn't given like the financial freedom to do it. Uh, and then, you know, obviously the managerial thing, it's a little too late now. We can't go back in time, but if you're going to keep Han as your general manager, let him do his job, like stay yeah. out of his business. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very interesting. And I think about this, you know, sometimes, and I think we, when we had, uh, Herb on one time, we were, I asked Herb the question, you know, about ownership eventually someday, you know. Jerry Reinsdorf will not be the owner of, of the Chicago White Sox. He won't be the, the, you know, the chairman of the board, if, as it were, whether it's, you know, because he's passed on or because he sold the team. I, I wonder, you know, in a weird way, do you, do you think this is, this season has taken more of a toll on Jerry Reinsdorf and maybe it's a message to him that maybe it's time for him to move on. Or do you think he just flat out doesn't care because You've you've mentioned it. This is this was Jerry's decision to make this happen and have it look so bad. And, and the fact that Tony's probably not coming back to finish out his third year in the dugout. Do you think that has any effect on him? Now we I, I know we it's probably a dangerous road to go down to try and psychoanalyze a billionaire, but do you think there's any any way, shape, or form that Jerry would just say, you know, I'm gonna get out while the getting's good? The value on on a baseball team is not going to be going up, I don't think, uh, with the way that this this uh, you know this sport is where it's at. It, it, do you think he he looks at it and goes, "It's a time for me to move on"? I don't think he looks at it like that. I really don't. I I also don't think he cares what we think as fans. I, mm -hmm. I don't think he. Uh, is an owner of the fans. Um, mm. You know, I, I you, you read these quotes and these statements from guys like Middleton in Philadelphia, who, you know, makes a statement like, I've got more money than I know what to do with. Right now, I want championships. Okay. Right now, I want the fans to have this, that, and the other. It'd be nice. It'd be refreshing to hear that. Hey, how about just hearing from Reinsdorf? When's yeah. the last time that like, he addressed fans in some way, shape, or form? you know, and said like, I am, this did not go the way I thought it was going to go. How about that? Yeah. I brought in Tony La Russa because I thought we had the pieces put in place. And I thought this guy was the answer. Yeah. I was wrong. We are going to do everything in our power to get this right on track. Do you think he would ever say that? Like, th that's what I would love out of Reinsdorf. We would, we would love a, an owner that is somewhere between Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Jones. Right. Jerry Jones, Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, comes on, talks after every game <laughs> and he's breaking he's breaking injury news before the, the the team actually comes out and talks about injury news on people. So it could be that way. It could have a, a person that's meddling and is, is their own GM 
And, and, and what you, kind of success yeah. has the Cowboys had as of ex- ex- Exactly. So you need somewhere in the middle of Jerry Reinsdorf and Jerry Jones. That's, that's a wide chasm, Nick. But if we could find that owner, that would be... That would be miraculous. So I, I don't think he gets embarrassed that, you know, oh, you know, because he's still making money. The team is still going to make money. The White Sox organization is still, you know, continue going to be worth far more than he paid for it, you mm-hmm. know. And at, at the end of the day, it's like, I, this is what I wanted because I'm the owner. And I, he's, but what's sad is like, that to me is such an ego thing because that wasn't the best thing for the organization. You know, if he had any care in the world, he would have said to some people that he trusted, if he trusts these people or he's or they're just loyal yes men, which maybe they're turning out to be. Do you think this is a good idea? Should 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 I call Tony? Do you think he'd want to come back? And if somebody would have said, excuse me, Jerry, Mr. Reinsdorf, Tony LaRusa? who's been out of the dugout for 10 years, 11 years, you want to call him with all due respect. I got to say no to that. Okay. Mm -hmm. There are better minds out there that are more forward thinking uh, with this day of baseball than Tony La Russa. And then, and then Jerry would be like, okay, you know, kidding, joking. That was just throwing names out. (laughs) We're having a laugh. (laughs) Like he forced that down our throats because of him. Like yeah. not for the good of the organization or, or, you know, could care less what fans think. So I, I don't, you know, do I think Jerry Reinsdorf has been kind to players and their families uh, over the years? Absolutely. And that's why you get people that refuse to say a bad word. Hmm. They, they, you know, that used to play or work for the organization. I feel like Jerry Reinsdorf has treated players and their families very well. And so there is a, you know, skewed way of thinking then about Jerry Reinsdorf. Mm-hmm. You almost have to remove yourself from your involvement with Jerry Reinsdorf in that way and look at it as just purely as a fan. And I think you would see things different. Yeah. Well, it'll be it'll be interesting. I obviously I don't think uh, anything is going to happen with the with the ownership, uh, despite the fans want for that to happen. That's just uh, screaming out in the night and hoping something happens. And, and, you know, nothing will. So, you know, we're talking a lot about the future, Nick, and and what things could change or where things could go. Um, you had mentioned earlier about Jose Abreu not playing on Fan Appreciation Day. There are how many games left do we have? Nine. Nine times we have to watch this team play. At least you will. Uh, <laughs> I, we, I do. And we, we got a man there. Hashtag we got yep. a man there. Nick yep. will watch it for us when we don't want to. Um <laughs> Uh, you know, this could be the end of the road for for Jose Abreu with the nine games left. He'll have a couple home games at the end of that. Uh, you know, the last time that this came up in terms of, you know, Jose Abreu and his contract being up, he was very vocal about wanting to be here. I, I'll sign whatever contract they, they put in front of me. You had just mentioned the loyalty. I think he's got a big loyalty to Jerry Reinsdorf. Um and I'm sure Jerry has the same type of loyalty to Jose Abreu for being such a, a good soldier, model citizen, and, and a great player over his, his uh, time here. This has been his family since this, coming over. Yeah, you know, is, like this, this is really this been is, his family. You know, parental, uh, you know, guardians almost. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder. It'll be very curious to see the way they go. I, I think. You know, I've made it pretty clear that it's it's going to be a very simple separation here with the contract being up. The fact that you've got a lot of guys that play the same position, I think it's 
I think it's a, an easy time to move on from a Jose Breu, not because I'd like to see him go or I don't appreciate what he does. Uh, and I think he still has years left. I think he still can be productive. And I think, you know, his legs are probably not where they need to be because he's probably been fighting through and playing through a lot of pain uh, this year that he just won't come out of the lineup for. And I think it's really affected his power. So uh, with all that being said, I, again, I think it's the, the future is with Andrew Vaughn at first and Aloy Jimenez at DH. And that kind of leaves Jose Breo on the outside looking in. If you yeah. could draw it up, if you could draw it up perfectly, well, how would it go and how should it go, Nick? Uh, in terms of separating yourself from Jose yeah. Abreu, well, what what would you like as a fan? What what because you're 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 one of his biggest fans. So what what do you think should happen, and what do you think will happen? Well, I, I get the reason of why you want to bring Jose Abreu back. Like he's got the average, you know, he's up there with with base hits. Uh, the power number is way off. He can still play an above average uh, first base, and. I think people really, and I don't blame them because I'm like that. They're, they're leaning with their heart. You know, mm -hmm. I, I can't imagine a team without Jose Abreu. He's been through some horrible years. I mean, I was there on opening day in 2014, shivering in the upper deck as he made his debut and he had a home run to center field against the twins. Okay. I, I've been following this guy as a lot of people have, uh, and he's been one of the fan favorites. So it pains me to have to have that conversation, but you have to make a, a decision uh, that is smart for this organization moving forward. And mm -hmm. uh, Vaughn, it should be your first baseman. Yeah, you know, he hasn't gotten a lot of reps, and but that's, hey, that's what the organization has done. Like, mm -hmm. you got to eventually stop the bad trend and start moving towards what should be happening and stop putting Vaughn out of position, put him at first base. You've seen what Aloy Jimenez has done in the DH spot. I don't care that he doesn't like it. This is what it is for you. Mm -hmm. You know, I, you know, I don't, don't let a player talk you into something uh, that you know is not the right thing for the organization. Yeah. Uh, have him at DH. And, and Vaughn at first, and then I, you know, maybe you can offer Abreu a part-time contract. I, it's silly to even bring that up uh, because that goes against all. That's me just trying to want him to, you know, stick around. You can be a part-time player, a la what Canerco did. Canerco knew he was cooked. Like mm -hmm. he kind of wanted to be done. He's like, I'm, I'm going to do one more here and uh, ride off into the sunset. Abreu, I think, still wants to play on an everyday basis. Mm -hmm. So. I I don't think Jose, Jose Abreu is going to be on the 2023 White Sox. I, I don't think so. It hurts me to say that. Um, I think they're going to move on in some way, and he will be honored uh, in every way, shape, or form. Um, but, you know, that core six that they have, something's got to give from that core six. I thought it was going to be Aloy Jimenez. Uh, and then they real, realized he's not a left fielder and they started putting him in DH and mm -hmm. they answered that question. I don't think Yasmati Grandal has a lot of value moving forward, but I don't know how to get rid of that money and everything. Jose Abreu mm -hmm. is the only one of the, of the core, if, if I'm not mistaken, where that garden can weed itself. Like his yep. contract is over and we don't have to worry about necessarily giving him money to come back. So yeah. In a long answer, that that's where I stand on that, unfortunately. Yeah, that's and you brought up uh, Yasmani Grandal and the curious case of a Yasmani Grandal and the the you know precipitous fall 
from grace that it's been uh, for him. I, I just don't know if it's me. Uh, I, I don't know even know why he's playing right now. If it's me, he's had so many injury issues with the knees and the back and all that stuff. And obviously the power just hasn't been there since the end of last year. And and let's not forget that the back half of last year when he came back, he was hitting the ball of the ballpark dangerous with, with regularity. And we were all over, you know, everybody was all over you as money and ground down how great he was this year. Again, fighting a lot of injuries and it wasn't able to come back like he, like he was last year. I don't know why you don't just put him on the shelf and say, just start getting yourself ready for spring training next year. I don't think it's quite as easy to replace a catcher. You know, I don't think our system, you know, we've never produced a lot of catchers in our system anyway. Uh, so I, I I'm of the mind of you're not going to be able to move him anyway. I don't believe with the one year left on his contract, unless you can find somebody that's looking for a DH because I don't think they want him to catch. And uh, I think I think the Sox are kind of stuck with him for a year, and maybe start planning for the the following year, you know, behind the plate. But I, I think yes. But are you Rondell stuck is, with him as starter, Pat? Like because you made that contract, made that deal years ago, and um, hey, it was exciting when it happened. You mm-hmm. know, Sox are paying premium money for you know a top of the line catcher defensively, offensively, like, wow, they're, they're doing it. They went after a a spot that they needed to fill and they got the guy Mm -hmm. Um, just because you did that. And you gave like the largest contract in franchise history. Does he automatically have to be your starting catcher in 2023? I think you have to do everything in your power to try and make it work, Nick. Right. I think it's, he gets the benefit of the benefit of the doubt, unfortunately. But what if Zavala, you know, I get that. I, I, know I get that 100%. I do get it, Nick. If if Sebi comes out and outplays him, then then that's the way it goes. But I think you give Yasmani Grandel every every opportunity to, you know, continue to hold on to that starting catcher spot. That's But that's just my worry is that I think they're, they're – they're not being realistic sometimes the organization, you know, and, and it kind of started at the beginning of this year when Lurie Garcia got all this love and all this playing time. And, you know, Tony La Russa in love with Lurie Garcia. He's not just a utility guy. He's an everyday guy. They gave him this, you know, 15 year contract, (laughs) uh, this three year deal. And I felt like, well, we've got to play him because he Mm -hmm. was given this money. And then Miguel Cairo comes in and he's like, um, no, you're not going to play. Like when's the last time you saw Leary Garcia playing over the last three weeks? It's the only thing that's been uh, a breath of fresh air. You know, knowing I'm not going to see him. So you've got a guy that you spent 15 million over three years, just sitting while you've got Romy Gonzalez, you know, and Josh Harrison taking a majority of the reps at second, like, I guess that's what I'm. Hey, you you got to keep y- Yasmani Grandal because of whatever the contract, and no one else is going to take it from you. But uh, I don't know if Sebi Zavala is playing better. Like, put your best product out no, there. No, I I can't I can't argue with you, Nick. I'm just again I'm I'm thinking what they're probably thinking in terms sure. of an organization, and we're we're going to give it. We've got one year left with him. We're going to give him every opportunity to make sure that that this works out. It may not ultimately work out, but I think they're I, I think they're going to do everything they can to steer in that right way. I do want to ask you another question, and I, I don't mean to steer the ship tonight, but uh, I haven't talked to you in a while, and I, I've just been you're just all you kinds get to, of excited. You get to talk to people every day, and and you've been able to vent no. and and mm-hmm. feel 
I haven't had therapy in a while. Uh, <laughs> Colas is, is, yeah. is, is not going to cover off the ball in, in, uh, in the minors. And, you know, there's a lot of people tweeting about, we've got our answer now at right field. Do you, do you feel like, uh, you don't even pay attention to that kind of stuff when people are making a splash in the minor leagues. They've that that we shouldn't rely on that uh, as our answer for next year. Or do you say, "Wow, we could we could save some money, put it in other areas, maybe bolster the pitching staff again, and maybe we can just slide uh, a rookie and play right field for us every day." Man, that's the White Sox way, you mm-hmm. know. Um, the White Sox way would be to ha- anoint him as right fielder. I don't think that's a smart decision. I think he'll be playing right field. If they don't make a move and they don't spend money on a, on a legitimate actual outfielder, corner outfielders uh, this offseason, uh, you, you'll see him. You know, you'll, you'll see him eventually, maybe late May or June. Uh, but I don't think you sit here right now and be like, yeah, we're not even going to do a free agent search. We're not even mm-hmm. explore any options because Colas is out there right now and, you know, he's going to be the next great thing. I, I think that would be foolish, you know, to not yeah, even that, kick the tires. But, but it would be it would be so socks next. Sure, right? just and, like for second base, yeah. you think they're going to go out and actually have a search for a second baseman and pay American dollars uh, <laughs> for a premium player? <laughs> and you've yeah, got that would be White Sox too to try and not pay Comiskey with cash. Here, here's yeah. some Comiskey cash that nobody takes anymore. Uh, you can feed your family when they come out to the ballpark. Get some soft pretzels on us. Here's a Billy it's Pierce. Four dollars. Yeah, it's four dollars. You can't get anything for four dollars with Comiskey yeah. cash. Give me. A I mean, se- second base will be Danny Mendick, Romy Gonzalez, Lenin Sosa, uh, maybe Lurie Garcia still fighting for that that spot. And I think Danny Mendick's going to be your second baseman. You think Even, so? I, I again, like, wh- you why? You love won't? Danny Mendick because of the mustache. Well, I, I know you do. I mean, I like a guy that's like a seventh, eighth, you know, upteen rounder that has to like crawl his way, and yeah. like he was productive. I, I mean, I don't know if he would be able to sustain that for a whole season. But again, the Sox aren't going to go out and have a legitimate search uh, for a second baseman with power. Now, the Andrews thing is interesting. Because mm-hmm. Elvis Andrews said on uh, 670 the score this past weekend, I want to be back with the White Sox in 2023. I'm willing to change positions. Hmm. Well, that's interesting. It's like you really want to come back to this? Uh, the, the, you, you've seen what this is like and you want to be back here? Okay, that that makes things really interesting. I think he's a Scott Boris client. I could be wrong. I'm sure he's going to want top dollar for his guy who kind of had – a resurgence uh, towards the end of this, uh, this season. Yeah. I mean, how it, old is it? Is it Elvis Andres? I think he's been in the league. Is it, was it 13 years? Is that yeah. sound right? He could I be in his early thirties. Right. Okay. I, I, I mean that you could talk me into that. I'm okay with that. And, and I'm okay with, you know, the utility, you know, infielders fighting out that position, whether it's a, a Soso or, or it's a Mendic and whoever that might be. And you know me, Nick, in terms of what I value more, it's right field over second base. So if you're going to tell me this is what you're going to do at second is this, you know, uh, witch's cauldron of, of players that you're just going <laughs> to, you know, put all in the pot and, and try and scoop one out. But 
I, I really would. I, I'd really like to see what they're going to do in right field and and have a real plan this time. Have have a real plan in right field and and, and spoiler, it's not Gavin Sheets. Okay, it's not. <laughs> it's Gavin not? Sheets should not be on the White Sox next year. He yeah. should be packaged up and traded for a team that will actually play him at first base. Uh, and maybe a left-handed DH. I do yeah. not want these, you know, hybrids of, yes, we're going to need some lefty at-bats, but that means Sheets is going to stealing for a guy like Vaughn who needs his at-bats. Sheets yeah. is not a right fielder. Don't make him a right fielder. Just like Vaughn yeah. isn't a left fielder or a right fielder. We got beat so many times this year on our outfield. How yeah. they cut for balls, how they, how they, even hitting the cutoff man, for God's oh, sakes, you know. Uh, teams took advantage of this, the lack of speed at the corners and the uh, accuracy uh, yeah. that they that they had. So there's there's no doubt about it. I, I just it you know the, the going watch. back to the second base thing though. Even though I think it's probably going to be a guy like Danny Medic, I'm not happy about that. I want to finally stop the revolving door of second baseman. Like find your future second baseman. Find a guy that's going to be here for like four or five years. So if Henderson's really going to be at shortstop for you know the rest of his time, at least on the contract and maybe beyond. I don't know what they're going to do. Have some chemistry between shortstop and second base, yeah. you know, have some chemistry up the middle instead of new guys being put in every so often, have a guy that you like can pencil in majority of the time. I know like, I hate to say it. Okay. But a Ray Durham. All mm -hmm. right. How, how we didn't know what we had with Ray Durham. Yeah. What did they get the Sox ultimately? Okay, not to the championship, but we had a guy that you could concentrate on. Yeah. Is this is my second baseman? Yeah, and 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 we we did definitely didn't appreciate Ray Durham uh, when he was here because you know not not an all star, not a you know perennial you know fantastic player or anything, just a solid baseball player, and 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 that's what I'm really looking for again, Nick, when I'm talking about. You know, I don't need to spend a lot of money. I just need a solid player who's going to play the position well and, you know, is, is going to show up in the box and be able to get the job done when it needs to get done, whether it's moving a guy along and then put one over the fence every once in a while. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not really asking a lot because theoretically, this team should be able to put the ball over the fence with the other guys in this lineup. They just haven't. Yeah, because if, of, if, whether it's because of health or, or or because of other reasons, you know, beyond my knowledge. But uh, yeah, strategy, game plan, focus. Uh, I mean, what the MO is, uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, that stuff might come out eventually. We've heard some rumblings through different articles, uh, you know, Ken, Ken Rosenthal and, and others about, you know, Tony LaRusso's. Uh, it is my way or the highway mentality, you know, and if he doesn't like a philosophy or the way something's going, how dare you bring that to me as a bench coach, as a, you know, as a member of the staff? No, like this is what I'm doing. And I'm not willing to listen to anybody else. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't know how much of that is true, uh, but let's, let's just like take a, a moment here and just like all the stuff that we've been talking about, this feels like 2019 stuff. This feels like 2020 stuff. Like all of these questions should have been figured out uh, already uh, as we enter here 2023, um, mm -hmm. this offseason shortly, you know, yeah. uh, and that's where I feel like we're even further than where we were in 2016, perhaps. I, I don't know. I, mean, uh, I, you know, I, I, I could be. 
I, I'm a little bit more optimistic about what next year is going to be. I don't just think you're going to roll over and win this division again next year, but theoretically uh, this team still probably has more talent than anybody else in the division, whether they have the will, <laughs> the TWTW or not, that's a different story. So it's, it's talent. I will agree with you. There's still going to be a lot of talent and and I hope, I hope the correct moves are made, not only with the the manager and, you know, who knows what kind of coaching staff will remain, you know, that's up to usually the, the manager. And then again, we're just assuming that Tony LaRusse is not going to be back in 2023. And then that, that brain trust, that group gets together and they're like, where, where do we, what, what kind of identity do we want for our White Sox team? What, what do, what, what do we want to put out there on the field? And we say to everybody, this is the White Sox way. This is how we're playing baseball. And this is how it should be played in the farm system. And, you know, just all the way through. And what guys bring that to the club? Like, what guys do we really want to focus on? Yeah. You know what, Nick? A lot of, you know, big companies uh, bring in outside consultants to kind of give you a different viewpoint that you can't see because you're too close to the situation. I would love it if the Sox would bring in a, a consultant and just say, these are the things that I see that you need to do to improve your organization. It needs to be here. It needs to be, you know, change this person out. This person's too much of a yes, man. Uh, you know, your, your culture here is broken because sometimes you just don't see it. That'll never happen, Nick, but it would be nice to have a, a third party unbiased, you know, consultant come in and, and, and really give the front office, you know, a what for. It's happened in other organizations. Yeah. Um, I think an MVP machine is a great book. I know a lot of folks have read it. It's been out for several years, but um, you know, other teams have done this where they've brought somebody in, like, where are we, where are our blind spots? You know, mm-hmm. where, where do we need to bolster? Where do we need to get better if we're going to hang with some of these teams and what they're doing? Yeah. I mean, there, there's so much that uh, is going on behind the scenes that, you know, we're not even hip to. And I feel like the numbers are starting to come out of how lacking the White Sox are as an organization and and the time, energy, uh, positions they dedicate uh, to some some metric minded uh, opportunities that, you know, is the way baseball is going. Um, You know, a balance is is great, but you don't even really have a balance right now. Um, So, I don't know, Pat. Uh, it's a sad, it's a sad recording here. Uh, this yeah. is not the type of episode uh, that I thought we would be doing late, very late in 2022. Um, it's disappointing. I mean, uh, I, I speak for all Sox fans of like just the shaking your head, just mm-hmm. a, just a pit sickness, like a pit in your stomach. And you know, people will say to me, "Just stop watching." I'm not wired that way. Okay. I I can't, I can't just stop. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm a multi-generational Sox fan. It's in my blood and I'm going to keep, you know, following this team. This is the team I love. And I just ask a lot of them, Mm -hmm. you know, and I don't uh, think you ask a lot, you know, I should say I hold them to high standards. (laughs) Right. Right. They, they, they haven't delivered on their, their side of the relationship uh, when you haven't been able to win back-to-back divisions in your, your, you know, team's history. We don't ask a lot of this team. We, we ask for effort and you talked about, you know, with the having analytical minds and how they're so short. That's a lot of part of it. The other part of it is you got to have some heart and some attitude on this team too, Sure. because again, you got your ass beat 
by a team that had more heart, more attitude, more baseball moxie than you had. And you got to take some of that away. There's a lot of things you can glean from other organizations. You can look right in your division and find one that uh, that really, you know, really just beat your ass this year. Yeah, I, I would say uh, there there was some fire and swagger for for about two weeks uh, when Cairo had them at like. 13 and five or something. And mm-hmm. we were winning games. We had no business winning. There was no give up. Um, guys were picking up each other. Uh, we were playing the type of baseball we thought we were going to play home runs, leaving the ballpark uh, at a record clip. I mean, we were tops in baseball uh, in a lot of categories during mm-hmm. that run. Uh, and then it just kind of all came crumbling down uh, you know, you'll hear Lance Lynn and, and, and Giolito make reference of it's not surprising we're in this situation. We've been in this situation all year long. OK, my follow up question would be, well, why are you in this situation? Mm-hmm. How, how did this team get in this situation? I understand that at the end of the day, we are pretty much a 500 team. That's what we've kind of been all season long. But why is it like that? You know, what it's has almost gone sounds, wrong? Those comments there make me feel like they finally just feel sorry for themselves. Yeah, yeah. And they've they've been taken to the, and again, I don't want to blame everything on injury, but they're, they've are they been taken to the mat so many times by the injury bug. And I think they finally just said, uncle, uh, no more. Uh, Self-fulfilling I, I prophecy, yeah. you know, it, it's in... So I, I think that's a little bit of what you're going to get from Han if he ever does speak. Uh, you know, after the season wraps up, you're going to hear a lot of that spin. Um, he's already said it in, art, in, in interviews recently about like how the resilience that they showed. And it's just it's a lot of hot garbage. Um, I, I want to see action. I want to see change. Mm-hmm. Uh, there needs to be a different direction. There needs to be new leadership, a new attitude, like you said. And, uh, you know. There, there should be some folks there should be, it should look different. There should be, a, it's going to be a talented team, but it should look different. Yep. Yeah. It should look different and bring back, bring back a uh, winner die trying that, that, that should be the mantra for next year, not change the game, winner die trying every game because yeah. it's got to start in April and it's got to be a sustained thing all the way through the end of the season. Yeah. Uh, Pat, always a pleasure, buddy. I mean, these yeah. are therapeutic and I hope other folks uh, feel that way. Uh, we're in a mess, but we're in it together, I guess. Yeah, I feel great now. I've been, <laughs> I've been stewing for about a week, so mm-hmm. yeah. I feel good. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Uh, Pat, uh, we're going to be doing this uh, for another uh, week uh, in season and then we continue this podcast in the off season too. Sometimes it yeah. looks a little different. Uh, it depends on sometimes when news breaks, but we still try to keep it fairly consistent either mm-hmm. once a week, every two weeks, you know, uh, holidays come up and things change, but uh, we are still available in the off season uh, talking white socks. And if we can't find anything to talk about, we'll talk about, you know, maybe some favorite recipes that we have our favorite color. We'll do something. We'll make it oh, up. Yeah. It'll be Abs- fun. Absolutely. Uh, folks, uh, it is always a treat uh, talking White Sox with you. Uh, we're going to say goodbye to my co-host, Pat. Uh, buddy, we'll see what happens this week. And um, hopefully it's a little bit of a, a cheerier podcast uh, <laughs> next time. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll see if, we, if it's important for them to finish over 500 and at least in second place. And they'll show us by their actions for sure. 
Uh, really appreciate you uh, spending time with the Good Guys Talk Back podcast. You can find the podcast absolutely everywhere you find your podcast. We're on Twitter at Good Guys TV. We've got a Facebook fan page. And uh, find us on YouTube. We've got a YouTube channel. Just search Good Guys uh, Talk Back. For Pat Hester, I am Nick Murawski. Until next time, go Sox.